the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it is good to worship together today. Uh, it's good every Sunday, uh, regardless of whether we are present uh, together or we are online, but it is especially meet and right on this day, because today is our annual meeting Sunday. While I wish that we were all here in person to, to sing the church's one foundation as lustily as we can, thanks to David for allowing me that little uh, rector's privilege every year to sing that particular hymn. Uh, even though we cannot do that, I'm grateful for the technology that allows us to be able to uh, to gather together as a family to pray even when we can't be together in the same place. So every annual meeting Sunday I preach a homily or what my old boss used to call more accurately a homilette because it's a little bit shorter because I get to say something to uh, everyone at the, at the meeting a little bit later. But in my homilette I try to find some words that are um, fitting to celebrate the year that we've just passed and also to orient us toward the year that is to come. To celebrate what's behind, orient us toward what is coming. And this, is, this year is no exception. And like last Sunday when I preached, I find myself today drawn to the psalm for our reflection. Psalm 111. That's our reading for today. And it is one of three psalms, Psalm 111, 112, and 113, three psalms that begin, all of them begin with the same word. Hallelujah. It's a, it's a transliteration from the Hebrew, and it literally means praise the Lord. Um, by the way, Psalm 11, uh, 111 is also an acrostic. So it has 22 lines, each of them beginning with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And just as a, as a side note, I think that my greatest uh, achievement as a homiletician or a preacher was that I once wrote a, psalm, uh, a, a sermon that was itself an acrostic. Uh, it was Super Bowl Sunday, and each of the letters that began the successive paragraphs spelled out New England Patriots. And although my lads are not in the game this year, um, and the NFL has decided to play it anyway for reasons passing understanding, um, maybe we'll just change the name to the Tom Brady Invitational. But the acrostic in Psalm 111 does not praise Tom Brady, or as my family calls him, the greatest living American. Instead, Psalm 111 praises God. Psalm 111 praises God. And so I want to look at it and tease out three words to think about and to focus on for this annual meeting Sunday. The three words are family, focus, and fear. Family, focus, and fear. First of all, family. There are different kinds of psalms, different settings. Uh, they serve different purposes. And the commentaries say that this one, Psalm 111, may have been written as a song to be sung in a particular setting. So this is uh, from Hans Joachim Krauss in his um, two-volume commentary on the Psalms. 
He says, it was customary for those who publicly gave thanks at the great annual festivals to appear in the court of the temple and then to gather an audience about themselves. This psalm, Psalm 111, finds its place in the large cultic assembly in which an audience gathers around one singer. So imagine a small group gathered together around one person, one voice, singing to one little company. And the song is a song of praise. Hallelujah, it begins. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. And today, I get to be that singer, the one standing in the company, the one standing in this little circle of family at St. B's today. I get to give thanks for this family. God has been faithful to us over the past 12 tumultuous months, and you have been faithful as well in, in worship and in service and prayer, the staff, the vestry, every volunteer that has contributed to our life together and our witness in the world this year. 2020 was hard, but it turns out that St. B's is, after all, family. And you were a sight to see this year, my friends. I mean, I, I praise the Lord in the sight of and because of and for this family. Point number two, focus. So if you notice the body, if you're looking at your bulletin, you notice the body of the psalm, which is really the, the second verse down to almost the very end. The body of the psalm, the focus is not on the congregation. It's not certainly on the singer. It is on God, on the God that they worship. It is focused on God's deeds, on the works of majesty and splendor which are pointing us toward the created order, toward the sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxies and toward the world around us that God made and then put us in. Great are the deeds of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. His work is full of majesty and splendor, and His righteousness endures forever. In the world of, uh, of science, there are few more prestigious institutions than uh, the Cavendish Laboratory at Cambridge University. Uh, it was established in 1874 by the first Cavendish professor uh, of physics named James Clark Maxwell. And not only was Maxwell uh, a towering figure in mathematical physics, he was also a devoted Christ follower. He was a devoted Christian. And so he had commissioned in, uh, to be carved in the oak above the door these words in Latin, magna opera Domini exquisita in omnes voluntates eius. The works of the Lord are great, sought out by all of them that have pleasure therein. That's the King James Version of Psalm 111, verse 2 that we just read today. 
To get inside of that laboratory to study or to work, you had to walk under a sign that said, focus on God. Focus on God's works. Seek Him out. Go looking for them. Take pleasure in them. And that laboratory has been home to over 150 years of Nobel Prize winning research, including, by the way, the discovery of the sequence of DNA. And that made possible this year's development of vaccines for the coronavirus. Until this year, the fastest a vaccine has ever gone from development to deployment was four years. That was in the 1960s for months. But this year, we've gone from development to deployment much more rapidly because, in part, because of Professor Maxwell. Because Professor Maxwell believed that the focus on the glory of God could actually inure to the benefit of humankind. It could make our race better. And that's why I'm grateful for our God-centered liturgy. For it is for the Christocentric shape of our lives that put Christ at the center and not us, certainly not me. Last year drove God ever deeper into the center of our lives. And it is remarkable what an institution can do when its focus is totally, 100%, completely on God. So family, focus, and then finally, fear. From the last verse that we read, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, for a long time, I had, um, I struggled with the idea or the concept of the fear of God. What, who wants a God that you have to be afraid of all the time? Uh, is that really what the God that we worship is like? In Genesis 31, there's a place where God's actual, I, think, I don't think I've said this here before, but there's a place where God's name is fear. Genesis 31, verse 42, Jacob calls God the, the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac. How could I relate to a God whose very identity was fear? Well, one verse and one particular sermon by an old seminary friend of mine revolutionized the way that I understand the fear of God. I wanted to share it with you. So the verse, it comes from another psalm, Psalm 130, verse 4. And it says, with you, it's addressing God, with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are to be feared. With you there is forgiveness. Not wrath, not anger, not judgment. With you there is forgiveness, therefore you are to be feared. Now how can that be? So this is what my friend Abe Cho uh, said in his sermon. When we think about fear, you and I, we understand fear almost exclusively in the negative. So fearing God for us means that we ought to fear, we ought to dread his disapproval and his anger. But when the Bible talks about fear, it is almost always in the positive. Fear is not the one whose disapproval you most dread, 
It is the one whose love you most treasure. That's your fear. It's the one whose opinion of you really counts. It's the one thing of which you say, it doesn't matter what anyone else says, it doesn't matter what anyone else's opinion is, what you say about me, that is all that matters. With you, there is forgiveness. That's what makes God our, our fear, our greatest love. One last point. Let me try to tie all these together because I think that they are interrelated. They're all interwoven, faith and family, a uh, uh, focus in family and fear. So when we come together as a family, we focus our hearts on our story. Not just on annual meeting Sunday, but on every single Sunday, we focus on how Jesus, who having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. We focus on the words that he said at the Last Supper, this is my body, this is my blood, and we fix our eyes on his cross, we find him alive and running to meet us with forgiveness on his face, right focus makes God our greatest fear. That's what makes God our greatest love. And then that in turn is what makes us family after all. We love each other because He loved us first. We are together, we are family, not because we agree, but because we are all children of the same Father. And this family is not built to stay inside these walls here at the church or the walls of your home. In fact, we are to be a family on the move, going out into the world to love our neighbors and to tell them about Jesus. Therefore, focus on our fear, little family. Consider that your invitation. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.